Hello, my name is Lauren, but you probably know me as Catherine Ross. I'm here to let you know that if you love our content and want to feel the same dread, terror, and jubilation that I do, then make sure to check out Lurking Fears when you head out to your next convention. With a great group of professional storytellers, Lurking Fears is able to weave stories that will haunt you and take you to the very edge of madness, which is something I know a little bit about. Now, while specializing in Call of Cthulhu, Lurking Fears also runs games from a variety of other systems, so there's something for everyone. They are committed to running heavy RPG adventures that are driven by the narrative and, of course, by the player's choices. So, check out their Facebook page and follow them to keep on top of which con they'll be hosting games at next. Trust me, you will not be disappointed. Now, let's get back to the action and see what our Keeper Raz has in store for us. But if history has taught us anything, probably going to be bad news. This episode is sponsored by our Patreon subscribers. Thank you so much for your continued support. If you're not a member yet, you can join our Patreon for as low as $1 per month to support the cast and crew of the Bardic College. Unlock bonus content featuring your favorite players, get exclusive access to shows you can't find anywhere else, and even get a chance to have Raz run a game of your choice. Visit us online at patreon.com slash thebardiccollege. You're listening to a 7th edition Call of Cthulhu podcast titled Cthulhu in Cairo, brought to you by the Bardic College. Please remember to like, share, and subscribe to the show to receive notifications as our future episodes release. You can visit us on Facebook at the Bardic College. Viewer discretion is advised. Welcome back to another episode of the Bardic College Presents Cthulhu in Cairo. I am Raz, and I am joined by the same loving and just absolute giving, generous passionate players that I've been with for the last time. It's Catherine Ross, uh, Vadim Gavrilov, and Ella Walcott. And when we were last here, I'm sure you probably remember because <laughs> we found this one hard to forget. Ella and Catherine were having really a moment um, where I think they finally, they, there was a real breakthrough. If I was their therapist, it was like Mr. Uh, the, the Dr. Wong in uh, <laughs> The Ref. Maybe we just need to all take a moment. And then <laughs> we both turn towards you and say, F you! <laughs> i'm not here to take sides then what are good are you okay dr wong uh but yes if anybody has a chance to watch that movie at christmas time check it out the ref the bottom though was about to decide whether it was you know nice words and bullets so why don't we start with him uh yes you go into mr alvarez's office he sits down uh well he lets you come in shuts the door uh you see again uh shipping schedules uh pins with you know yarn and locate you know obviously the 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 push pu- the push pins have names of each boat uh some very valid information you know crew crew size tonnage and where it's roughly currently located and you know it's all estimations right you start in the morning and then the next morning hopefully you get you say okay well this speed they should have made it to here uh but yeah he's got all that lined up around the office it's a good size space it's probably a t- 15 by 20, 25 room. So it's it's good size. He's got a little conference table for four people. And there's a door that goes into the warehouse from it? No, this this is a, just like you said, this is a this is a pop-up okay. or a, a pop-out. It has no, there was no cut through made to the warehouse. Oh, okay. Yeah, for security, they decided not to do that. They just said, you know what? Warehouse has only one entrance, security guard, that's it. Gotcha. Yeah, so he sits down and he says, well, Mr. Friend of Yinko, what can I do for you? I have just come from Nepal. Very disturbed at what I have found uh, there. Are you at all familiar with what has happened to our friend? I've stopped receiving not only correspondence, but uh, other packages, small flat packages that were meant to uh, come back to me uh, over the last several months, but nothing that uh, I figured we wouldn't catch up on at some point. It's happened once or twice before. Why, what did you find? He is no longer there. 
his operation is is gone. There is some Chinese man who is owning his establishment. Apparently, no uh, no knowledge whatsoever to uh, this thing that we uh, that we do. I see. You come to me with this because because Mister Inko is uh, a very old friend of mine, a very old trusted friend of mine who many years ago took care of the most precious cargo of mine the cargo that means more to me than life itself and is that cargo that i am now looking for can i get you a drink no thank you he reaches into his desk and as he reaches into his desk i put my hand into my jacket you might want to pull that out slowly pulls it up it's port okay local yeah, normally it's an after-dinner thing, but it's good for middle of the day oh, if you're sure. in a pinch. <laughs> nice tawny port. <laughs> wow. Bottom's like wine, gotcha. <laughs> Not beer, got it. Not vodka. Not vodka, got it. So uh, he does take out two glasses, drops them both down, pulls it out with his teeth. Not the most sophisticated port drinker. Pours one, does pour a second just... To pour it and figures out he'll drink it himself or whatever. Puts it back in the in the desk. Uh, you can go ahead and make me a spot hidden. That is a six. Zero, zero, six. That would be a critical nice. success. He does not shut the drawer that he pulled the port out of. He's left it open. You did not hear it shut. You did not see him make an action of his arm shutting it. So there is a fairly large, because the port bottle is tall. It's a wine bottle, right? It's about that yay tall. Mm-hmm. That bottle would have fit either lying down or f- standing up. So desk drawers, the bottoms tend to be longer, you know, slightly larger than the tops, right? More storage files. That drawer is open and by his, you know, where his right arm is. It's on the right hand side of his desk. It's still open. Just giving you that piece of information. And his hands are on the desk. Well, his hand is on the, on, and he's leaning back a little bit. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. So he says, precious cargo. And what you think he sent it here for Portugal? I know he did. When? Approximately eight years ago. Looks down, takes a big swig, puts it on his, puts the glass down on his desk. Vadim moves uh, to his left, my right, casually, okay. you know, like you're, like you're pacing, but he puts himself to where uh, he would be across the body of him. Yeah, if he tried to pull. Mm-hmm. Okay. He's looking at you as you stand there. He says, I've owned these warehouses for some time. Um, I can possibly try to find these records for you and see what happened to your cargo. He's acting like he doesn't understand what you're saying. Let me be clear, sir. I do not know if you are being coy or if you uh, do not know me, or do not know what I am talking about truly. I don't, I don't know you at all. Part of that cargo is sitting out front, shining shoes. Okay, you see something in his face change. He says, so you're here for the rest of it? I am here for my family. Well, your family is uh, down a member. I don't know how much you know if Mr. Ko was not there to greet you in Nepal. But I, uh, I'm i sure I can... I'm still ringing on those words that he just said, down a member. Yeah. He says, but I'm sure I can let your children explain it to you. If uh, I can simply use my phone, I will get a hold of uh, where she is staying. And uh, have her brought here. Are you telling me that my wife is dead? She passed. Yes, she did. 
I will need to know the details of that. She fell ill. Life happens. She was a good woman, but she f- just became sick. It's nothing. I, your children can, as I said, before you leave, I will not leave my office. You can speak to them directly. They are in fair health and they have been, I've taken care of them the best I can. They are, your daughter attends school. Your son decided he was done. About six months ago, he wanted not to go back. I fought with the boy. I offered him a job here so that he could at least feel like he was making a difference. After your wife passed, he said he was not interested in going back. You are the man that Yinko made arrangements to, to receive my family and keep them safe here. Yes, I was directly responsible for their relocation here once they arrived. I took it over, yes. And I understand that illness does happen. Uh, she was an, a good person. It's a shame. She was a better person than either you or I will ever be. Make no mistake of that. She came from a noble family. I'm sorry that she didn't live as nobly then as she could have at the end. She had uh, means, but working class. She was not proud. She wouldn't have married a man like me if she was proud. She never spoke much of you. Not to me. But that could have been... Maybe she's just one of those people who kept things quiet. She seemed to. She had her secrets, it seemed. It was the way it needed to be. She understood why. Shall I have my... He uses a term in Portuguese for girlfriend um, and says, should I have her collect your daughter and bring her here? Mr. Alvarez, I, I, I find myself in very unfamiliar territory. I am a man of direct business. I am a man that you probably know very well. I am not a man that raises children nor knows the hearts and minds of children. I do not know what to do. I only know that I, I need to see after my family. I understand. I... I have no children of my own, but, and like I said, the boy is willful. Your daughter is quiet, tends to be more quiet since your wife is gone, but she is still very bright, very good student for a young woman in school. How long ago was the uh, my experience in the woods with uh, Mika? Two, so that was late November, right? So it's now mid-early January. So yeah, about 45 days ago, 40 days ago. Can I inquire, was my um, my wife's passing, was this recently? A little more than a year. It was a shame because it was before before Christmas, before the time that uh, the holidays of last year. So her anniversary would have, of her loss would have been about three weeks past. So yeah, not quite 13 months now. Did you notify Yinko of her passing? I passed the information on through the channels that we had. Yinko and I very rarely directly spoke. But as I said, the money that he would send periodically, that stopped coming several months ago. Suddenly, I knew that sometimes he has to go quiet and re-secure channels. All of us do. Mm. But I waited for his contact. We had an agreement that it would, whenever one of us were to go offline, out of, uh, well, you know, that you wait for them to recontact. You give it time. Yes. It is too dangerous to do otherwise. Ferret out the weasels and the rats. So I figured that's what he was doing. I think uh, it is best that I collect my children and move on. This will be shock for them. This will be difficult. But sometimes that is the way. Children can adapt. But I tell you, your daughter, I think, she could use a friendly face. Your son, there is something in him. A little bit uh, 
wild. Doesn't like to be, how do you say, needs to have his freedom, needs to move his way. Doesn't like to be cramped up. I tried to console. I tried to help him. My girlfriend is very warm, very, very loving type person. Again, not someone you would think would be with me so much, but she knows children. She was an aunt, raised several children with her sister, helped her out before she came to Portugal. And she says that uh, one is her heart and one breaks it. I think you can see the, what I'm saying. By all means, you do. You are the father. If you can, this is the way it is. If you would, uh, if you would call for my daughter, I would, uh, I would ask that you would come and introduce me to my son. Of course, I don't mean to do this, but before I bring her down here, do you have anything of your wife's, anything of your children's that I know, anything with you, a picture, a leather, anything, just so I can? I would hate to turn them over to someone. Just to turn them over. I have the picture of, of the four of us, right? Right. From inside my jacket, I have a, a billfold that I keep important things in. And, you know, I slowly unfold it. And, and inside this little pocket tucked deep down inside of the billfold, I pull out a folded old creased photo and I hand it over to him. He says, I meant no, no disrespect. I hope you understand this. I... This the man in this picture is you, but if this man had been someone else and you had taken this information from him, I would have been turning his children over to the wrong person. So I I hope you can forgive my you know my asking to see something so personal. There is nothing to forgive. You are doing uh, what I would do. So come, uh, I I maybe better to bring him in here. He likes to run. <laughs> you know, he's like he may bolt, so he tends to need time to think so bringing him here maybe better for you if you want to stay i go get him mm, if he likes to run i i think better give him the space to do so in case okay well let's go then so you step outside all right back over to ella and Catherine. ella you go ahead and you uh you look over Catherine is standing there as far as i know Catherine, are, are, i know you don't have a sheet of paper i know you don't have a pen that's not something you would have brought down here with you. And I don't think you want to tear the manuscript and try finding a no. a, a writing implement. Um, right. Are you staying? Catherine goes upstairs. All right, Ella. You are alone. For visual effect, Ella, eyes closed, nods her head like, yup, figures. And thinks of how she's going to do this without a person. Um, He doesn't happen to have a tape recorder anywhere, does he? Like upstairs that she may have seen. 1932. So you would have had um, wax phonograph. Oh yeah, he could have he could okay. have rolls. Um, I don't even know if wire recordings were out in '32. I know they're out in the mid '40s, late early '50s. Um, wire line, but that was expensive and pretty military type tech, I think. But you, if you wanted to use like an old. Uh, Vitrola was the player, but there was a wax recorder that you could collect information on. Um, I can give you a role for that. Uh, Catherine and Faye are resourceful. So if he has one, it's going to be in his study. But if you want to make a role for that on luck, I'll let you try that. Eh, I'll, I'll roll. Then you got to carry it downstairs. I'll try. Haven't been rolling great tonight, Keeper, you know. Ooh, a nine. All right. So, yes, he does have... Um, I guess for his research, he did. He used to create dictation scrolls that he could then play back. Um, they are hissy and scratchy as all shit, but they will record information. Faye is upstairs in the kitchen. Uh, you go, you know, downstairs rather in the kitchen area. You hear them. You hear her puttering around and making tea. I don't know where Catherine walked off to. Catherine, yes. 
as Ella is walking up the stairs to go and retrieve, she had the idea to go get a phonograph. Well, she went to go get the, yeah, yeah whatever those whatever, dictation machines were called. Whatever it's called. I was picturing the horn. Forgive the, it yeah, doesn't yeah. matter. No, exactly. It's exactly what it looks like, yeah. As Ella's ascending the stairs, Catherine is descending the stairs with a notebook and a pen and a very stiff beverage. Well, that's, there you go. Okay. Catherine comes back down. And she sits about halfway up the steps. Just so she can just see the edge of the, yeah. the area. Got it. Ella, does that is that satisfactory? You don't need the whole Vitrola or whatever it was called at this point? I guess not. That's very good. It makes it a lot easier because that sucker weighs probably about 18, 20 pounds. Yep. It's like, you know, could someone help me move this cart <laughs> um, so, through the secret passageway down the stairs? All right. So you make your way back down. Ella, why don't you go ahead and give us a roll? So this is going to be your your read, and then we're going to decide how many you know see how many magic points you have and the whole bit. So what's your role? God, I don't want to say it. Well, that sounds great. It's a ninety four, okay. Ah, uh, all right, and give me a d three or so a d six divided by two. Uh, three. So I'm guessing if we round it up, that's two. Correct. So you lose two magic points currently, and then make me another d six roll, please. D six minus one. Oh, this time I only got a one. So. Sanity, uh, you can't go below a one in this case, so make it a one. You lose one point of sanity for touching sarcophagus. You, you describe how you how you're doing this. You give us the first couple of bullets, first couple of points. First off, the first thing she's gonna do is like kneel in front of it to like get comfy because she feels like this is gonna be a long one. And centers her mind, reaches out, and. Catherine, the lamps in the wall, the gas lamps, start to dim. And although there should not be a breeze, there might be a slight chill in the air. And her voice just comes out monotone. Candles light, the flames flutter. Nora looks healthy today, but she's in this shaped summoning diagram on the floor, unknown origin. I play the drums. Thirteen attendants, as I was told, in black, to hide in the shadows. Sarcophagus in the corner, with the text they told me. No face yet, don't put the face. Crowley will chant. He always chants. He's the leader. Everyone's eyes are closed, except Nora. Why isn't she closing her eyes? The candles rise. I scream, but my voice is silent. Crowley backs away from the from the black circle that appears in the ceiling over the occult symbols. Black, black of the darkest shadows and night drips down like the sky is bleeding its very essence. The cosmos weeps in fear of what is coming. Nora crawls naked into the sigil and lays flat on her back awaiting whatever it is that's coming. They try to hold me back, and they win. Are those tentacles? She's horrified. Get her out. Get- She's not- She doesn't want this anymore. <laughs> that face spits back. The face spits all over her. An ooze. It smells divinely awful. And, like, her head lulls back as if, like, the vision's not the same anymore. She's, like, being jerked around a little bit. All right. Back over to Vadim. Vadim, you, uh... 
it's going to get a little weirder. Uh, so with the 94 people listening, uh, the images are c- convoluted. And actually what we had done is to, so that Ella knew what was going on, we had made that roll off, off mic. And then we just repeated it for everybody so that they knew what was what had happened. But she had rolled a 94. So when we gave her the images, or when I wrote up the images for her, some of them are real, some are chaotic, some are out of sequence. Hopefully, uh, you'll be able to pick out which are the good ones and which aren't. But uh, we are on a roll there. So that, good job, Ella, so far. But Vadim, we're back to you. So yes, um, he makes a phone call real quick. Uh, your daughter gets out of school, he says, in about 40 minutes. His girlfriend will bring her down at that time. She doesn't want to just pull her out of school the last few minutes. She says, you know, I'll wait for her. By the time I got to the school anyway, it would almost be time to walk her back. Uh, In the meantime, though, your son, uh, Aslan, is, again, you see him standing there. Gustav watches you walk out, flicks a cigarette, kind of sits there, warms himself, turns, looks at the sea for a minute, wanders away. Like he's... He's going in your direction, but again, at an angle where this guy doesn't even pick up that he's, you know, even remotely with you. But uh, past warehouse four, you kind of get move out of the way of guys carrying crates. There's a couple of uh, flatbed trucks, you know, hand trucks being moved around. And uh, you stand in front of, in a few moments, you're in front of your son. And he's like, Mr. Alvarez um, looks at you. Everything okay? I This man is, what is he doing here? I Did you not like your shine? Before uh, Alvarez says anything. I look down at the at the young man and I say, "Young man, your your name is Aslan. Do you know why?" He really goes almost rigid. Like, why would you know his name? He he's just looks at you and he kind of, "What's going on, Mister Alvarez? Why does this man know my name?" Your grandfather was known as the Lion. He was a great man of our village. You were named Aslan in his honor. No. No, you do not know this. It is. How do you know this? Because it is Turkish. It is Turkish for the word lion. Who are you? Boy, I am your father. Is that a Star Wars thing? (laughs) (laughs) No, not quite. I'm going to make a roll using my new Dr. Fumushi. Mufuchi Tower. You could tell I'm just like all those parenting skills right on just target right, right out the there. window. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Boy, I am your father. And if you run, so help me God. Uh, I've been watching yeah. Dr. Phil and everything. So why don't you go ahead and make me make me a persuasion roll and I'm going to oppose it. Persuasion? Can it be fast talk? Uh, it's pretty direct talk right now. Yeah, I would say this. Yeah, I guess. Okay. Yeah, you could use that. Okay. Yeah. Because you're just trying to get him to believe it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, he's starting to believe it. <laughs> um, I rolled a regular success, a 69. He's, uh, yeah, he's just backing away. Uh, Mr. Alvarez tries to get in and says, well, so much for introductions. Um, Aslan, listen to me. This man, he has photograph of you and your mother and, and, and yourself when your child, when, when your sister Anna was small. He has picture. He's shown me. He knew, he, he knew when you came here. He's aware of everything. Please, this, this is him. This is the man who your mother you know, made you. This is, this is your father. And he's like, my father is dead. My father has been dead. No, uh, no, Aslan, she never said that to you. There's no way. She, your mother knew that he was alive. He's like, no. My father would never have left us here like this for so long. And he's backing away. It's fine. He's got that. He's got that jackrabbit look. Yeah. I put my hand up to uh, to sort of silence Mr. Alvarez. Okay. And I say, young man, you are Russian. You have Russian blood running through your veins. And that means strength. This is hard. 
This is probably the toughest thing you will have heard in your life, but you will make it through this because of the blood in your veins. Out the corner of your eye, you see Gustav's making an oblique around him in case he tries to do a bolter. Like he's like, I had motion to Gustav when we came out. All I want Gustav okay. to do is to cover Alvarez. Alvarez. Oh, all right. Just so don't even in- if the boy goes, so I don't it. have to. Uh, so I don't have to worry about that. You got it. And I say to him, I can see it in your eyes. You have nothing but run in your eyes, the fear. And I, boy, I understand it. I am not blocking you. You want to run? There is horizon behind you and you can run. And I will be here. When you are done running and you are ready for talking, I will be here. But what makes you think here is where I want you? This is where my sister is. This is where our life is and where my mother is buried. I don't need you here. We're fine with what? Why now? Why now? There's no reason for you to come now. Everything was just getting settled back. We had just buried her a year ago. And now this, this for so many years. And he's just, tears are just pouring down his face. You were here because you needed to be. Not because you were abandoned. Not because your mother and I did not passionately love each other. But because of the safety that you needed to be here. You, your sister, your mother. From you? From others. But now you're here. It's safe? Yes. Now I am here to keep you safe. The things that uh, that needed to be, those things have passed. If your mother was still here, it would be her that, that I would be reaching out to, that we would be passionately embracing and reacquainting ourselves with each other, that we would be learning to, to know each other again, young men, discovering all the wonderful things that, uh, that make us who we are. But sadly, the, the news of her passing reached me too late, and I have spent the last many months trying to find you, eventually having my path lead me here. The reason you need to come with me is, one, we're family, and family is everything. Two, I do not know if how safe you will ever be. You are my son. If others discovered that fact, it could be very dangerous. Three, I have to make sure that you are safe. Let me do a roll. Yeah, he's gonna, um, he's gonna jackrabbit. I mean, he hears you. You seem like you've, you know, in his eyes, you believe that you've gotten through some of the conversation that, like, he, he, he accepts who you are. Mm-hmm. The question is, what, you know, how is he processing that? He throws the shoe shine kit down, what, you know, what, what pieces he had in his hand. He throws them towards the wall. They skip, you know, hit the, the, the side of warehouse number uh, three, and then he just starts running. Gustav looks at you like, we're good, right? Not chasing that kid? And I wave, yep, nod. Yeah, he goes. Well, he was sending for Anna. Yep. What I am counting on is that Aslan's dedication to his sister is going to be deeper than anything. Oh, of course. Yeah, brothers won't leave sisters like that. Not, I mean... Yeah, he's he's at that 14 year old age, he's man of the family. That's what's been drilled into his head now. You know, he has to be the one going out. He's earning a living. How much he doesn't want to be in school. You'll find out as you go. I mean, but it seems like it's been drilled like he has this this Vadim type quality in his head that, you know, you do what has to be done. And that could have been from his mother. That could have been understanding that you were never there because you were doing what needed to be done. Children pick up on our messages sometimes, even though they may not want to say they do. They 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 hear them. And it looks like he's heard some of the things she said to him. Also, to be clear, too, what Vadim is in his head, mm-hmm. clinically speaking, the minute he introduced himself and the minute that Alvarez became privy to all of this information, mm-hmm. there was no choice but the kids have to leave with him. 
Okay. Yep. Because now that information is out there and information is money and information is power. And they are now immediately at risk. Yeah. Even with this Alvarez, you know, if he gets himself in a jam and needs uh, information to get himself out of that jam, he's the type of man that would use it. Yeah. He's kept like, he's kept them safe because he was getting a, a stipend every exactly. couple weeks that, so, so he didn't do wrong. No, no, but, no, but, it, but you're right. The minute, the minute I decided to put it out there, this, this is a one way, it's a one way journey now. Yeah, now it's the situ- the the call has been made. Yeah. All right, Ella, back to you. All right. Yeah, like her body's jerking, the can the gas lights are still sputtering and the temperature just keeps dropping because this is a long reading and she's getting confusing results but she's trying to hold on to the imagery. Faye was born today. I'm tired, but I'm so- I'm so happy our little girls in the world today. You disgusting bitch. <laughs> what? What? I didn't realize my mic was hot. What? Wh- who were you talking to? Yeah. Clearly, somebody <laughs> summoned shit and impregnated Nora against her will. And I'm so happy she's in the world. Shut up, you disgusting bastard. You don't get to say anything, whoever you are. Well, we've now gotten a quick moment of Catherine on the steps. Back to you, Ella. <laughs> I did not know that my mic was live. That's staying. That was a disgusting bitch <laughs> as she's scr- scratching on the paper. All right, Ella. Oh, my goodness. She's walking through Battery Park with a pram, but no babies inside it. And she's not pregnant. Under the blanket is a black, greenish monster with arms, like tentacles of little spiders or something. And another jolt of her head lolling. Phase seven today, or is she eight? I can never keep track. She grows so fast. And she's in the, my study, reading on the carpeted floor. And I'm at my desk. The shadow's coming. Cast from the fireplace. Eowas has come. Eowas has written to me on the pages of the books and cover of Faye's novel. I smile. So proud. Jolt. Nora's in the hospital again. She's throwing up ink. Why ink? And Faye watches. Get her away. Mother, take her away. Be a grandmother. Get her out of here. And Crowley comes, trying to help. Instead, he stands by Faye's side and asks something. Faye shakes her head, and then he leaves. Jolt. She's, like, getting closer to it, like she's almost wants to press her cheek on it. Like, I I can't lose the connection. I gotta get more of my body on this. I have to repaint the sarcophagus. New texts must be required. I have to put Nora's face on it this time. I wonder if I can remember. After all this time, does she still have that dimple on her cheek? The ceremony begins. A woman holds up a child to the ceiling. Same sigil. Figured it could work again. The fires die. But a single light appears in the ceiling, pulsing, straining to get free. For Rosalina. Nora looks weak, but she joins Lucinda in her help, in her search. They hold Rosalina high over their heads. The light covers her, senses her. Nora screams, but I can't hear it. I can't make it out. Why can't I hear? Crowley looks frustrated with me, frustrated with Faye, but he loves Rosalina. I open the sarcophagus and beg for help to move it closer to the light. No, no one helps me, except Matthew. A child of the light and a child of the dark. Faye sleeps upstairs, and the black ink is coming for her now, like tar. It spreads. 
Rosalina screams in this basement as the light drags her away. She convulses and struggles, but that is safer, is it not? Safer than the shadows I have condemned my daughter? The tendrils of darkness that once engulfed her mother stalk for her, stalk for my girl, my eldest. But it comforts her this time. There's no horror. It strokes her hair, her cheeks. But as, Rona, as Rosalina fights to survive, my child sleeps soundly as she dreams. Jolt! Nora is in the hospital again with the ink. She asks for a priest. No one wants to give her the last rites. Faye sits up. Rosalina falls. She disappears. Nora is being put into the large wooden sarcophagus. It is complete. Everyone is there. Even Faye and Rosalina, even though they've never met. Faye cries in shadow, and Rosalina cries near the box, in the light. Lucinda comforts me, while everyone watches. And trance is over, room temperature comes back up, lights are fixed, and she leans back like she's exhausted. Great job. Yeah. So there's going to be a lot to unpack there. There's quite a bit with a 94 unfortunately there's quite a bit of crossover and confusion to some of the in images there is there is truths in there there's definitely truth some of it may be metaphorical we don't know some symbolic metaphorical some people could be misplaced in time um you know it could be a, a, a read from something else it's 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 a jumble but that's part of what clairvoyance is it's how do you it's like mysterium the game right you have to pick what what you need and what you don't need out of an image so great job, Ella. Vadim, uh, over to you to uh, close out this sh this one. He says that the the taxis obviously don't come into the warehouse. If you want to meet Anya and your daughter Anna, it'd be best to head up to you know. There's a place outside of the warehouse district where normally she'll stop by a cafe, uh, and I'll meet her there and stuff. If that's what you prefer, I think that's a a better atmosphere to meet her. Yes. Yeah, that's what I figured. Uh, that's normally our spot when she comes down to meet me. I I walk out and then I either bring her in through security or we have we have dinner at this cafe. It's a it is a nice place. So the two of you make your way there. We get into a we get to a cab. No, no, you're gonna walk to the cafe. She's gonna come down in the cab. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. How, is Gustav shadowing us? Yeah, he would have to nice. be at this point. Yeah. So eventually the cab. You know, everyone. So he's like two doors down. Like you know, at another like outside of a pub and he stops and he kind of like makes it look like he's just got outside again and he's stomping his feet a little bit and he lights a cigarette. You guys are doing your thing and you're, you're just waiting outside. He says, um, school would have been out 10 minutes, 20 minutes now. So she should be uh, any moment. Yeah. And about a minute or two later, uh, the car pulls up and out steps Anya. Um, she's 34, 35 ish, uh, definitely Italian, Italian looking, you know, the Roman nose, the long, the black hair, shoulder length dressed fairly well. You know, not to the Ritz, not like a gangster's mall or anything like that, but she's definitely dressed, you know, comfortably and, and with style. She has she has the latest fashion on. You know, she looks good, um, but nothing that would be like blaring, like I'm just dripping in diamonds. Nothing, nothing to that extent. Uh, and out steps your daughter, who is the spitting image of your wife. Mm -hmm. She's, you know, she starts walking towards Alvarez and sees you standing there, this, this woman. She kind of pauses for a minute. Tires screech, and it draws your attention. And as you, you know, as you look over a, a car, a black sedan has pulled, has just come to a screeching stop outside of the, the tavern, uh, right where people are milling about and Gustav's having a cigarette. And before you know what, what's going on, you just hear machine gun fire. The car zips away. Was the machine gun fire 
coming from the car? Yeah. Firing at who? Lying there against the wall, sliding down with blood coming out. Two women, one man on the ground, and Gustav blown away. And that's where we'll end it for tonight. Okay, gang, thank you so much. Uh, I want to thank everybody for playing Cthulhu and Cairo. Uh, another one of Aveline's agents has been murdered. Uh, they are on a hunt for her and her people, for her people, and this Gustav was finally caught. Hey, Gustav! Vadim, what the hell? Gustav's dead now! <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> How could you do that to him? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> he was so cool! You know how much I put into working with him? Ugh! This is what happens when you leave Vadim with anyone. Uh, but yeah, so your daughter got to witness her first murder. Uh, you know, that was well-timed. That's just to keep her being a jerk. Uh, but from all of us, thank you so much for listening to Cthulhu and Cairo. I'm Raz. I want to say thank you to Scott, Lauren, and Ella. These last two sessions, absolutely amazing, guys. Well, well done. Could build the tension with the kids, build the tension with the sarcophagus. I thought everybody did a great job. But we'll have uh, next time. We're actually going to have Jack uh, doing a little bit of his thing in on his way to Africa with uh, the two girls from from Nepal, uh, Chorky's kids. We'll find out more about them, and the whole team will be together. So, thank you. Great job, and we will talk to you next time. Like, share, subscribe, please, and as always, thank you for listening. Good night, Kang. Thanks for listening to this episode of Cthulhu in Cairo. You can like, share, and subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. The music you're listening to is Return of the Mummy by the great Kevin McLeod. Join us next time to see where our intrepid explorers find themselves next.